The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt. A classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow. But I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters, because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com Mike. Let's get it going on the Arrowhead Attic Podcast, a part of the Fanside Podcasting Network, your teams every day. I'm your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. Joining me is my co-host, Sterling Holmes. You can find him on Twitter at HomestretchKC. Sterling, we're back again on the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. How are you doing today? Doing great. Doing well. It's been a uh, some lovely weather outside. It has been pretty nice outside. Especially here in Oklahoma, we've been getting a lot of rain, so that's helped a lot. Uh, but, you know, it's good to be back on the Aerodic Podcast. Good to be talking Chiefs again. I've missed you. I've missed yeah, you. You know, I've missed you too. We took a couple weeks off there. It was, the news got slow, but this is my favorite part of the week to talk Chiefs. Now, as you'll see in the first segment, how long are we going to get to talk Chiefs? I'm not sure. But Dr. Fauci has said that the NFL would need a bubble concept for this season to happen. And especially when you look at the calendar of the NFL, you're going to be playing most of your games from October to December, where a lot of people feel, fee, uh, fear a second wave of coronavirus. And to me, I don't know how you feel about this one, to me, a bubble concept with the NFL can't really work. With the NBA, you're playing indoors, you're playing on a court, you're not going to mess up the court. How can, how can you play... All, all these games on one football field or two football fields with these NFL teams and not risk you know ruining the field to the extent of getting players injured. We look at FedEx Field and how awful that is for players. It would seem like every field would look that way if you're playing every single NFL game a week on one, two, or three fields. Is there some way you can play the NFL in a bubble? No. I, I mean, again, I'm not a designer. I'm not the one proposing the bubble, but I just can't see it happening. You brought up the 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 best point, the field. I mean, you know, the games in Mexico, they've always had these, they've had a year and then the year again to try to get the field right. That couldn't happen. You know, I'm unless you're doing this on artificial turf, which I'm sure no one wants to really play on, it's just a lose-lose situation. I, I understand where he's coming from, how the NBA is easier. The bubble idea could potentially work. But the NFL, it, it just can't happen in that way. The, the thing that may be going in the NFL's favor is, one, it's you know, the last sport to start. And two, it is outdoors for the most part. You know, there's a couple of domes, but for the most part, the, the, the stadiums are outdoors. And, you know, the, the new tech, the new, um, what we've seen, again, it changes every week. Maybe it's not as transmissible outside, you know, from the protests. We haven't seen a, a large spike from the Lake of the Ozarks parties. It, it, as gross as that pool party looked, you know, the, <laughs> the first early report said there was no new cases. So if outdoors is not spreading as much, you know, maybe the NFL is in a better position if it is outdoors. So, you know, that's a good point. My, my biggest thing with that is it is outdoors. And I think that even if you don't have fans in these dome stadiums, there's enough ventilation to where if there's only 53 players on the field for each team and a couple guys in the press box, I think that you'd still be safe with no fans there. But my biggest thing with that being not in a bubble being 
Do you trust every single player on every single roster to do the right thing Monday through Thursday before you go travel and get ready for your game? Because we're seeing a ton of players already test positive for coronavirus, and all it would take is one player to ruin it for somebody who's been doing the right thing, who's been taking the precautions, and who has maybe some people at risk living with them or, or close to them. It would only take one person to ruin this whole thing. I wouldn't even necessarily say people who are doing the right things. I think people who have been doing the right things can still get the virus. You know, it just takes one slip up from getting something delivered, from going through a drive-thru. I mean, that's the thing about this virus is there's people who've been out going to bars. They don't have it. You know, they haven't caught it. But then there's people who will go outside one time, and it's just very unlucky, and they'll catch it. And so I don't want to put a lot of burden on the players because, you know, it's – I don't want to just say they have to be locked up indoors. They can't go outside ever. They can't get food delivered to them. They, you know, that's not necessarily fair to the players. It's one of these things where we're going to eventually see it happen, though, where if a star guy like Mahomes somehow catches it, you know, is the this, is this season just going to grind to a halt? Are they going to just end the season if Mahomes or Russell Wilson or, you know, Deshaun Watson, if one of those guys gets it, what happens next? And you see even Zeke getting it this you know this last week. He'd be a huge blow to the Cowboys and a huge blow to, you know, if you want to talk about it from a business standpoint, you mentioned the guys, that's who you tune in for. If I can't go to football games, the biggest thing now becomes, of course, the TV market. And who are casual fans going to tune in for? It's Mahomes, it's Zeke, it's Russell Wilson, it's guys like that. So it is an, in a weird situation to be put in for the NFL. I think that... They're ultimately going to play, and they're going to do what baseball was trying to do before the latest coronavirus spikes, and if they can ever figure out the money side of baseball, that's a whole other conversation. But they were going to play in empty ballparks and, and play in their home ballparks now. They're reviewing a bubble concept more heavily now. But nonetheless, I think that football will just play in front of no fans in an empty football stadium, and they'll just continue on going everywhere except for, of course, abroad. They'll cut out all those games. But you'll just play in an empty arrowhead for this year. Well, very quickly, what I think could make this tougher is players currently will play through a lot of different illnesses. You know, Michael Jordan's flu game or the poison pizza game, whatever you want to call it, you know, he played through that. The, what was it, the Iowa or Iowa State coach, even when this all was going down, he had the flu and he was coaching through this. Even if you're asymptomatic and you have the virus, I don't think there's any chance that these players will be able to play which I think throws another wrench into getting everybody, everybody back together, um, you, you know, marketing. And it's going to be a weird situation that I don't think the players are going to like. I don't think the owners are going to like. But there's so much money on the line. I, I honestly don't know the best route to go. And I think that if you're an NFL fan, you should be confident still that there's going to be a season. I know it's kind of weird right now, and I haven't painted it in the best light in this first six minutes, but – they do have the advantage of being a professional sport that's going to go last. I mean, we're going to see uh, hockey and basketball and soccer start up really soon within the next month, and you're going to get to see the trial and errors that they go through. And most importantly, they have the revenue to make this happen. I mean, at the end of the day, money wins out in any aspect of life, and they have the money for testing. They have the money for any sort of precautions that can be taken. Unlike, say, college football, where you have conferences and you have schools that just can't afford to test every single athlete. And you can't only test your football players. If you're going to test, you've got to test every single athlete. Uh, and you can't only have a football season and cancel volleyball season. You've got to do everything fairly and equally. And some of these schools just won't, ha- just won't have the ability to do that. So I think that college football is much more in danger than the NFL season. Uh, but for the NFL, it really just comes down to the how. I don't think it comes down to, you know, It's no longer, are we going to have an NFL season? I think it's going to be, how are we going to get there? How are we going to be able to do this? And of course, this can all change. As you mentioned, it's so fluid that by August, we could see the second wave come early and we're all back in shutdown mode. But I think that we're moving into the, how can we make this work? But Dr. Fauci's idea of the bubble, I think it's the right idea on paper, but you cannot execute that with an NFL team. You, You just can't. Have you seen the masks? Have you seen the Bane mask that they're proposing? Yeah, I've, I've seen those. I just, I don't think that that works either. 
I don't know if the players would wear them. I don't know how effective they are. I mean, if they are effective and that was the only way to get football to be played, I would say I think the players end up doing that. But there's so many questions on how does it affect their breathing? How does it affect, um, you know, their vision when it comes to trying to – I mean, that's a whole new – I'm sure it's a lot heavier than a normal helmet. There's so many factors that get taken into play. Either way, they look kind of – I don't even know – like Bane, right? They look like robotic or I don't even know how to describe them. And, you know, I think that you brought this up but with the testing. What if a star player does catch it, though? Like during, during the season and they're asymptomatic. Are they just going to keep playing and act like nothing happened? Or do you still isolate that person? And do you trust these teams to report it? Like, do you trust these teams to say, yep, you know what? Mahomes has it. He's asymptomatic, but... We're not going to play him this week. We're going to go to Jordan Temu or whatever the hell his name is. Yeah. I, again, if a player is asymptomatic, that, that's going to make everything a lot more difficult because if you're asymptomatic, I would almost assume players with this type of, um, you know, they got here because they're so competitive. They're going to want to try and play through it. And that's going to be a big issue is if players are asymptomatic, trying to, you know, maybe hide it and try to play through it. I think that definitely could be a situation that happens if this goes through. And, you know, we mentioned how the news keeps changing. Every week it seems like it's safer and safer to be around asymptomatic people. It seems like it's harder and harder for the asymptomatic people to spread the virus. Now, that's not saying that it's impossible for it to happen, uh, but all the data coming out from the CDC is saying that, hey, you know, it's not spreading as much through asymptomatic people. So would the NFL even make a rule saying, hey, if, if they're asymptomatic, we're just going to take the chance because eventually we've got to just go on about our lives because we can't just lock down everything for a year or two until we can get a vaccine. So I I wonder how this is going to all unfold, but you're right. Whenever you said at the top of the show that the NFL is in the best position by going last, this is the one area that you want to be last at. (laughs) For sure. You do not want to be baseball right now. Oh my gosh. And you know, I just, I don't understand what happens, what's happening in baseball. It's just so frustrating. At this point, I hope that they don't have a season. I'm sorry for all the Royals fans out there, but it just it's just ridiculous what's happening in baseball. But I do think we're going to see Patrick Mahomes playing, and that brings me to my biggest question this offseason, because I'm stupid, is the banner night. I mean, how do you do the banner night? Because I don't think we're going to have fans in the stands uh, come you know September 10th. So we'll see how all of that unfolds. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to work. Do you wait a season, which you could do? You know, maybe you just do one anyways, and there's a way for it to be streamed. You know, a special Chiefs uh, hour before you stream it. You, you show the rings. You, you, you show the banner being lifted. I mean, I think that's probably the best way you go about it, even if it's like Facebook Live. or I think that's probably the way you go about it. And, and the thing is, you could probably market it and get some money with some sponsors on TV, even if it is like a local uh, you know, news station. Uh, there's a way to monetize it probably. So I, I think there's probably a way to get that done. And you can probably do it twice, right? Like you can probably just raise it for the first time ever you know, on September 10th, whatever, like you're saying, like before the game on a live stream. And then just re-raise it whenever the first time that fans can come, just have it down for a second, let fans pile in there, raise it up, let fans, you know, give the ovation, and there you go. I mean, it's over. No one's going to complain about doing that twice. No one's yeah. going to be like, oh, this, it, it means less. No, everyone's still going to be stoked. I would be still excited if the Royals, you know, raise the, you know, 2015 World Series uh, banner. I would still give a huge standing <laughs> O right now. And – I want to reiterate our point on the fans. If anyone's just now catching this episode and didn't catch one of our past episodes, personally, I want to get your updated opinion on it. But personally for me, I don't think we see fans, not because it's not safe in Kansas city. Um, I I just don't think that we're going to see fans until everyone can have fans. Cause it wouldn't be fair uh, to some of these teams. And like, you know, right now, Florida is spiking through the roof right now. And Miami specifically is spiking through the roof right now. If the dolphins can't have fans, how is that fair that Arrowhead gets to be packed out? Or how is it fair that Arrowhead can be as loud as ever with all these fans, but you go to New York or somewhere like that and the the Giants and Jets can't have fans? So I think that we're not going to see fans in the stands until it's universal. And I don't think it'll be able to be universal 
by September 10th. And it could be. That's still a long ways away. And this this stuff is changing left and right. It could be way worse or way better by September 10th. Uh, but as of right now, I don't see a way for fans to be there September 10th. And not because of Kansas City, but because of what's happening around the world. I would not be surprised if there's two two chances they could do it. One, you make them sign a, a extreme an extremely tough waiver that basically just waves all your rights and says, "Hey, you know, if this happens, it happens. It's on you at this point." Uh, the the other one is, and the one that I, I'm leaning towards is maybe 25 percent capacity, something where. It's going to be very convoluted, very tough to get done, but where season ticket holders still get a chance. Because a lot of revenue comes from season ticket holders. And I think if there's a way to have maybe 25% or 33% of the stadium filled, I think that still gives you at least some revenue. Um, And that way, you're not looking at a huge decrease in money for next year's salaries and deals and things of that nature. Yeah, I think if you did the limited number of of fans being allowed there – you would absolutely have to do at least enough to get every season ticket holder in there, right? Because you don't you don't want to cut off any of your season ticket holders because that would give them a reason not to renew. I guess if you're a team that say like a you know Chiefs who probably have a waiting list you know five pages deep, you wouldn't care as much if you lost a season ticket holder from cutting them off from this extreme uh, extreme circumstance. But you'd like to make all of them happy. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and the thing is, you know how expensive parking is. You you can probably still open that up to tailgaters to a certain extent. I'm sure there's a way. I just don't know how feasible and how much work they want to go into to open it up to a 33% full stadium, a 33% full parking lot. And the thing with season ticket holders is you'd probably have to say, hey, you may only get to go to four games. You know, you, you get half of your uh, your money back. But you maybe only get to go to four games this year because you have to split and rotate with how many season ticket holders there are. But at least that way they still get some benefit. You know, I'm just trying to spitball here and kind of think outside of the box to see what a feasible way could actually be. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that we're not making these decisions. I'm glad that we just get paid to to just talk about it. It's a lot easier. (laughs) But... I did want to shift over to some actual football because I think that everyone kind of has uh, coronavirus fatigue right now, uh, but it was an important development over the last week of Dr. Fauci coming out and saying that about the bubble. He's been, of course, the lead guy for this coronavirus stuff, and uh, he signed off on the NBA plan. I would assume that most leagues are going to have him sign off on their plans before they implement them, uh, just if not uh, to just save face with the, with the nation. But let's move into some football talk, and I want to start with our beloved Patrick Mahomes. And I want to ask you, is he going to have a deal in place by September 10th? No. No, I don't, I don't think he gets done this year. I think it's before next year. But I don't think that the Chiefs are in a huge hurry. I don't think Patrick is in a huge hurry, honestly. Um, you know, if, if the all of a sudden, you know, the, the money goes up next year, the CBA just goes crazy again, and he could be looking at a bigger payday. He could be looking at 45 instead of $40 million. I mean, who knows with the virus, but it, it's, it's possible. I don't think Patrick's going to be falling off anytime soon. And even if Patrick has a down year, which I definitely don't expect that, he is still getting paid either way. I think that you're right. I, I think that, you know, he'll just wait it out because no matter what happens this year, I don't think a down year is even on the table, but no matter if they have to cancel half a, half a season because of this stuff like the NBA did, no matter if they have to, to, God forbid, not play the postseason or something crazy like that, and, and the market just plummets, he, he will stand the test of time with the market. He, he will get every penny he deserves, no matter what the um, economics are for next year and, and the future going forward for the NFL, uh, if this season gets played or not, he'll be fine. So I think that if, if he wants to really cash in, He'll wait, and that, that's, that'll be smart to wait because you let Dak go first. You let Deshaun Watson go first, and then you swoop in and become the highest-paid quarterback. Now, how long does that last because of the, the crazy quarterback market there is, even though there's no one better than him right now playing the game of football, and there probably will never be anyone better than him playing the game of football? I'm not sure, but I think that for the NFL's sake, he does have the power, and I've said this for a long time, Mahomes has the power to set the market to where as long as he does not take a Tom Brady-like deal – uh, you know, to sacrifice for the betterment of the team, uh, you know, in, in a roundabout way, 
If, if he takes every penny he's worth, then you're no longer going to see every year a new highest-paid quarterback. That's just not going to happen anymore. Matthew Stafford yeah. is not going to have a year as a highest-paid quarterback. You're, you're not getting more than Mahomes if he takes every penny he's worth. Yeah, and I'm with you. He He's in the 1% of the 1% of about the only guy who can, who can, who can do this. You, you have him. You, you can maybe say Deshaun Watson – um, if Lamar Jackson does what he does again last year, maybe you say him and probably Russell Wilson. These guys are the premium at the premium position who they can ask for whatever they want, and the reason why is some team will give it to them. That's why Dak Prescott is somewhat struggling because while he is at a premium position with the, the most important position quarterback, and while he is good, he's not quite elite. And you're still seeing the kind of money he's commanding. So I, I think that's why Patrick and these guys have all of the leverage. Um, they can wait. They can wait and do whatever they want, and they will still find a way to get their money. So I want to ask you about that that leverage that you pointed out. Let's say something happens that we don't expect. I think both of us expect that Mahomes goes last between him and Watson. If he goes first, do you think that Watson has enough leverage to get more money than Mahomes does? No, I don't think so. But the only thing that Watson has going in his favor is Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien's an idiot, and he'll he'll just <laughs> sell the house. Well, I, I, okay. As much as we hate on Bill O'Brien, and I do all the time, he he's obviously found a way to make it to the playoffs consistently year after year. I do got to give him some credit for his craziness. But you know, I I, I think that he would be the one guy who would just give Deshaun Watson uh, an exorbitant amount of money just to just because he can. Just because Bill O'Brien wants to be that guy. Yeah, I think that Bill O'Brien really needs to stop being the GM. I think that that really compounds the problem. Because on the field, he makes a couple boneheaded decisions for sure. uh, But nothing that you can't live with. Nothing that should make him as hated as he is. But whenever you throw in the terrible moves he's made as a GM and some of the awful press conference moments he's had, it, it just... It just really all piles on to him, and he does get some unfair criticism, for sure. Uh, but I, I think that you're right. I think that the only person who can leverage Mahomes' contract is Russell Wilson in the sense of if he gets tired of, of you know kind of being underpaid a little bit, he can just say, hey, you know what, Seahawks, pay me, be, make me the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL, or else I'm going to go to a new team, maybe a team that's more set up to win with a new quarterback, and then he can cash in that way. And even that, I'm not sure if it would be a smart financial decision to pay someone more than what Mahomes gets paid, assuming that Mahomes cashes out and gets everything he's worth. Because I I truly do think, even if I wasn't a Chiefs fan, that Mahomes is the best quarterback I've ever seen, and he's going to be the best quarterback for. I think I don't know how you can one-up Mahomes, and I'm sure that people have said that before about guys like Dan Marino in, in the time period of him playing, uh, even Tom Brady. I'm not sure how you one-up Mahomes. So I don't think anyone is going to go over what, what Mahomes can make. I think that he's truly going to set the market, and, and owners and even agents are going to say, okay, you know what, we're not Mahomes. We're not going to get Mahomes' money. Let's try to get right underneath Mahomes, as close to Mahomes as possible. And what's crazy is the reason why I said about there's about four guys that can do this. Look at guys like Jamal Adams, who is a probably top three safety, you know, mm-hmm. um, not, not the quarterback position, but a top three safety, a young guy, very, very promising. He asked for more money to set the market. He's a couple of years left. And the judge are like, you know what? Screw it. We're going to trade you. That would never happen with Patrick Mahomes. Look at guys like Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey was, you know, considered a top three cornerback. He, he asked for his money to, you know, back the bank, the, uh, the truck back for him. The Jag said, screw it, we're going to trade you. I mean, the only, there's only a very few guys that can do that. I mean, look at Chris Jones. Chris Jones wants his money, and the Chiefs are still handcuffed saying, should we or shouldn't we? That doesn't happen if you are at uh, the quarterback position and you are a, a top three guy. That's why Patrick, I said, has all the leverage in a way that we haven't really seen before in the NFL. So we're at a fork on the road. We can go to two other topics that you just mentioned. Let's go, I think, that with the easiest route that's going to get us back uh, to, to the intersection here, or whatever you want to call it. I don't, I don't know terminology for driving and whatnot, but let's go down the pathway of Jamal Adams real quick because he was he did list the Chiefs on his teams that he'd go to. However, he did just take like the top six Super Bowl teams, in, according to Vegas. And was like, yeah, trade me to one of these Super Bowl teams on the Vegas list and I'll be all right. Uh, so... I do think that it's created a lot of buzz around, you know, Chiefs Twitter. 
I don't see this as any possibility that the Chiefs trade for Jamal Adams. I, I don't think that they have what it takes to get him. And, you know, with Juan Thornhill coming back and, you know, of course you have Honey Badger. I don't think if you're if you are going to go all in with a trade that that's kind of the move that you're going to make if you're if you want to do that. I don't see it happening. What are your opinions on him and if the Chiefs can get him? Because I know that a lot of people have that question going around Chiefs kingdom right now. So I don't necessarily think it's likely, but I think there's a better chance than we think. And people are going to hate this, but I think Chris Jones would be the piece that you would have to give up to get Jamal Adams. I'm not saying the Chiefs do that. I'm not saying that's what I want the Chiefs to do. But if you offered Chris Jones, you get back Jamal Adams and maybe another first-round draft pick, if you can get that, uh, I think that the Chiefs would be hard-pressed to pass that up. Obviously, you have to pay Jamal Adams. You're not bringing him in just for one or two seasons. He's going to want that money. But the thing is, Kansas City and Spags use so many three safety sets. You can use uh, both Jamal Adams or Tyron Matthew uh, you know, in the slot, almost at cornerback if you want to. I-, I would not be completely shocked if this was not at least on the table. What do you think of this move? So that's interesting, and I want to get your – I want to nail you down on one side or the other after I give my point. But, you know, you throw that in there, and at first you're taken aback. It's, it's kind of like getting sucker punched. But then you think about it, and when Honey Badger got brought in, the feeling was, okay, that Spags is going to want to use him as a rover. He can do so many things. You can throw him in, a, in the slot. You can disguise him as like a, a sub-linebacker. You can put him back at safety. And having Jamal Adams does do that for you. He gives he gives Honey Badger that sort of leeway to play anywhere on the field. And as you mentioned, Adams can play anywhere on the field himself. And, you know, does that age better in the NFL than, say, a defensive tackle? Does, does a safety age better that you feel more comfortable giving him money than a defensive tackle in the NFL? Especially when you consider that you already have Frank Clark on a big contract. That is interesting. That, that is an, a good point that you make here I know it's it's difficult to separate your emotional connection to Chris Jones, not only on the field, how, how many plays he's made and how many drives he's ended, but off the field, of course, he's a great guy, and he, he creates some funny moments that you can look back on you know, in, in press conferences and things like that. You know, I, I think I would do it. I think it would be a tough business decision, but I think it's easier to find a pass rusher, as crazy as that sounds. I mean, you look at Emmanuel Lagba last year, However, you can also attribute his success to Chris Jones and to uh, Frank Clark. But I I think that that's too enticing to have Adams, Honey Badger, Juan Thornhill, and you throw in an added bonus this year on a year that you're trying to just go for it, you're trying to win back-to-back Super Bowls, and you only care about winning. What if Juan Thornhill, this gives Juan Thornhill insurance to kind of play the slow game in the rehab. Make sure you're 100%. Do not rush back. Do not hurt yourself again. Because we have Jamal Adams and we have uh, Tyron Matthew. I like that trade. I, I think if that trade's on the table and I'm Brett Veach, I would have a tough time passing it up. I think that I would do it. Well, you also got to remember you have Colin Saunders, you have Derek Naughty, two guys who took big steps forward last year. Yes, they're Mike not Pinnell, the same. Mike Pinnell, he was awesome last yeah, year. Yeah, Mike Pinnell, they're, they're not on the same level as Chris Jones. Chris Jones is the number two interior defense alignment mm-hmm. in the NFL. But we've seen them be able to develop and at least get talent on that defensive line. You know, again, last year was different than years past. We, we, we know this, but I still think that this is a move that the Chiefs would consider. I don't think the Jets would do it. I don't think the Jets would give up Jamal Adams and a first-rounder for Chris Jones, knowing that you have to pay Chris Jones the money he, he's going to get because his contract will be well more expensive than Jamal Adams. But... You know what would be the realistic tipping point that the Jets would do? Uh, is it what, Jamal Adams in the third? Yeah, straight up, I wouldn't do for Kansas City. I, I, I don't think I would even consider straight up Jamal Adams mm. for Chris Jones. Uh, I think if you're Kansas City, you would need a little bit more, just because the the position premium is interior defense alignment. I think when you're that good, it, you can be more disrupt uh, more disruptive than you can be at safety. It's tough, man. It's a tough thing where how much do the Jets value trying to get as much as they can for Jamal Adams versus they don't want to deal with the headache. You know, because Jamal Adams is continually posting on Twitter and Instagram saying, I want out. Uh, you know, just trade me. Give me the money. Do they want to just say, you he's know what, been doing that for it. a couple off seasons. 
yeah, you just want to say, screw it, we're done with this? Because he obviously is not going to re-sign in, you know, with the Jets, it sounds like. It sounds like all bridges are burned. You know, who knows? It's, this would be a good spot for Kansas City to get the most um, you know, value possibly could for him. And you bring up a good point about the transaction because as fans, I think that we love the transaction almost more than we love the games. We love the possible moves that are out there. And it's fun to talk about transactions, but what you said is, is totally correct about Chris Jones. He plays a position and he's dominant just like Jamal Adams is dominant, but he can make a play happen as a safety. You know, you can make plays happen, but you're more reliant on where's the pass being thrown, where are the routes being run, what, what positioning, you know, are you put in by your defensive coordinator as a defensive tackle, you can just go beat your your opposite man and, and get to the quarterback and change a game that way. So it's a little bit easier, and you're right, the premium on that position is a little bit easier to make an impact and make your impact felt if you're Chris Jones because you could be getting thrown away from. Now, put him in this secondary where you have Matthew and, and Juan Thornhill. you got to throw to somebody. So somebody's going to be making a play. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting. What would it take for the Chiefs to get him? Or is there a way, I'll put it this way, is there a way for the Chiefs to get Jamal Adams without throwing in Chris Jones? Because I don't think that there is. I don't think there is either. You know, the Jets, you know, they probably want some wide receivers. You'd probably have to give up Sammy Watkins. I don't know if the Jets want to take on that contract, and it's only a one-year deal. You'd probably have to throw in McCall Hardman and maybe a second rounder. And I don't think the Chiefs want to give draft picks Especially when you know you got to pay Jamal, Chris Jones, Mahomes, uh, eventually Kelsey, Tyron Math. You got so many guys you got to eventually pay. You don't want to bring in another guy that you have to pay a large sum to. Uh, without Chris Jones, I don't think the Chiefs would have the money, the financials, or the. I don't think they want to give up the draft capital to actually make that deal happen. Yeah, bingo. I, I don't think that there's any way that you can do this without swapping out Chris Jones because that's just another player that you're going to have to pay because you're not going to – he's not a, a rental guy in my opinion. He's not a guy that you just trade for and you go into it knowing, all right, this is only going to be 16 games in the playoffs. That's it. That's all we're going to do no matter what happens. He's a guy that if you trade for him, what you're going to have to give up to get him, you're going to have to extend him to make that worth it. And you just – there's no way you can extend him, Chris Jones, Mahomes, lose out the draft pick, which equals a – young, productive, cheap player that you're going to desperately need. There's just no way you can do that without swapping out Chris Jones. So let's bring it back to Chris Jones with this. Does he have a deal in place from September 10th? Because all the reports are out right now saying that they haven't even discussed a deal since the um, franchise tag window. That's a little bit concerning, but what do you think? What are you feeling about does Chris Jones have an extension on opening day? So I've been pretty much going my gut since this has all gone down. I, I basically said, I think there is a wink-wink, hush-hush deal in place where it's, Chris, we appreciate what you've done. Uh, we love everything you, you brought to the table. Uh, I know this sucks, but can you play on this tag for one year? Next year, when the salary is supposed to rise, we'll get you a deal in place. We'll take care of you. Because that's what I think is going to happen. I think they're eventually going to say, Chris Jones, can you please just play this one year on this deal? We'll take care of you next year. We promise we'll give you the, the money, the long-term extension you want. And if you're Chris Jones, you got to be a little pissed. Because, one, yes, you're playing the franchise tag, so that means they want you, obviously. And, yes, it's a good amount of money. But at what he's getting, it's about $6 million to $7 million, probably less per year than he would get on a long-term deal. So not only is he missing out on a lot of money, he's missing out on a long-term, um, you, you know, the peace of mind that he would get on a long-term deal. So for Chris Jones, it's a lose-lose situation. For the Chiefs, you do have the leverage. You do have the power right now. Um, and I, I'm still leaning towards a uh, play this year on this. We'll take care of you next year. What are your thoughts? So I, th I think that you're, what you're saying is right. We're not going to have a deal on opening day. I think that the last point you made that Chris Jones, I think, is going to end up being upset about this because you look at this season, and I know that no one wants to admit it right now. It seems like everyone around football, whether it be college or professional, is just so scared to even address the fact that we might have to shift games, we might have to move games, cancel games, or even not have a season, that they're not mentioning it right now, and they're just kind of acting like it doesn't exist. But you look at Chris Jones, and he doesn't have the leverage that Mahomes has in the sense of, if we cancel games or God forbid the postseason games, 
he does not his market dramatically changes if if the NFL loses that revenue of playing games you know especially in the postseason or you know shifting games around to where like you said you can't have 25 percent capacity you can have zero capacity and refunding all that money if anything changes with the you know with the salary cap Chris Jones's market has dramatically changed and he's lost some money to where if you if he was locked in right now he would I think he would feel more comfortable than coming up on September, on September 10th without a deal. So I think that it will change his attitude, but I don't think that that means that it'll go so far to where the bridge is totally burned and he's never going to come back to Kansas City. I think that your theory about the under the table deal makes the most sense cuz we haven't heard anything from Chris Jones in a negative way and he's put out messages on Twitter to where you do think that he's sign- that he's going to sign soon and then nothing happens. And it sound- it seems like he's either playing with all of us for fun or he's trying to allude to the fact that you're right that there's there's something in the works, but it makes sense for the Chiefs and even for Chris Jones like you're saying if the season goes off without a hitch and we do see another increase in all of the revenue for the NFL that he can make even more money if he just waits it out and plays under a team-friendly deal right now. And by the way, he becomes an, another Super Bowl champion this year. That that helps a lot too. So ultimately, the question of an extension by September 10th, I say no. But is he going to be a chief next year? I'm still leaning yes. I'm still leaning that he's going to be back in Kansas City after this season is over, which is the most important part. Yeah, that, that's what really matters is will he be here after the season I've gone back and forth on it a lot. You know, it's one of those things where it comes down to, like we talked about earlier in the show, where Mahomes can can do whatever he wants because he's the quarterback, the best player in the NFL, the best player at a premium position. While Chris Jones is probably number two at a premium position, it's just not quarterback. It's just not. So it's just a tough situation for Chris Jones to be in. The, the virus probably affects him more than anyone else. You know, a guy who was looking at a huge long-term contract, well, the Chiefs have a pretty good, you know, PR thing of saying, well, we didn't want to get this deal done with all the uncertainty surrounding the season. You know, you can kind of put it on Chris Jones saying, hey, Chris, why are you asking for all this money when there's a national pandemic going on? You know, the Chiefs are in a really good position right here, and I feel bad for Chris Jones. And it's even more scary. If you just want to forget about the economics of it, just think about football for a big man to be playing on a franchise tag because how many injuries can just dramatically change a big person's career in any sport, especially football, where a torn ACL is different for Chris Jones than it is for Juan Thornhill. A foot injury is different for Chris Jones, who's hauling all of that, you know, just body mass than it is for, again, someone like Juan Thornhill or someone like Nicole Hardman or even Sammy Watkins, of course. So any injury for him could cost him some money this year. And that's that's got to be scary for someone. And I know he's made a ton of money. And I know that this contract is more money than most people know what to do with. Uh, but to not be able to cash in on your earning powers right now and, and risk in 16 games and hopefully you know a Super Bowl run, so that's even more games, it is a huge risk for Chris Jones to be playing under the franchise tag. But I think that you're right. In order to make this happen, and in order to make this happen to where Chris Jones has not made any sort of stink about this at all, I think that there's an under-the-table agreement there's a, an unspoken agreement that, hey, we're going to take care of you no matter what happens this year. No matter what you do in 16 games, we're taking care of you come March. Let's sure hope so. So the NFL has talked about cutting out two preseason games. They've also mentioned that there's going to be no joint practices, even though they're going to still go through with hard knocks, which is kind of weird. The training camps must be held at team facilities rather than going on to a campus or somewhere else to do training camp. What are your thoughts on first the preseason games, cutting out two games? Should we even have any preseason games if time is of the essence to get these games through? What do you think about the preseason? I don't mind the two games. I, I think two games is probably uh, probably about right. Uh, you get the young guys able to get some reps in, the rookies, give them a chance to get settled. You know, give your offense a chance to at least gel a little bit. The Chiefs, again, are in a very good spot, bringing back so many starters. It's unreal, but... I think two games is about right. Training camp's going to be weird. Not in St. Joe. It's going to, yeah, it's going to be weird. I, I was supposed to go with, you know, with the media pass, go down there, and I have no idea what's going to happen now. So my hands up in the air. I was really looking forward to that. But again, safety of the players comes first. You want the players to be comfortable. You want them to be healthy. 
and if this is the best way for a season to actually get underway, well, that's that's what you're going to have to do. Yeah, I, I think that it'll be interesting to see how they handle the media because this is not a college practice or even an NBA practice. You legitimately can make money off of these practices in the NFL. And even if you don't allow fans to go, I'm saying you know the NFL Network builds programming around practices like how crazy is that you, that you see the NFL network going to training camp and selling TV advertising and things like that to sit behind a practice and really talk about nothing but people still watch we talking and about still, practice we're talking about practice, practice? And, and people still watch it and things like that so it'd be interesting to see how people handle this um you know how the NFL handles this in terms of the media do they still let NFL network to go do they still let you to go because again all you're doing is promoting their game and promoting you know their product and getting fans excited. I mean, what other sport do people care about practice? I mean, literally, they're not even doing a lot of football stuff. They're 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 just doing you know walkthroughs that the media is allowed to show. They're just doing walkthroughs and things like that. And you're watching you know Mahomes throw a fly route to to Tyreek Hill, which is awesome to watch. But you know they do that 16 times a day. But it still generates content and it still keeps your your sport in the news cycle. I think that the NFL, as long as they can do it safely, and I know that you're not going to be able to be shoulder to shoulder with Patrick Mahomes, I think that they're still going to let media in there. Because, again, from the NFL Network TV standpoint, uh, from just getting your game in the public eye, it just makes sense for the NFL to do that. So I think that there's a chance that we're going to see media at these facilities. Hell, I'll rock a hazmat suit just to get an interview with Mahomes. How about that? I'll, <laughs> I'll put on a hazmat suit, and I'll bring a little microphone, and we'll, we'll try to make it work. How's that sound? Yeah, you know, it, it does selfishly. I mean, you, you were going to have access to this. I was going to have access to the Thunder, you know, media availabilities. And then coronavirus takes over. So, you know, that sucks. But, hey, life could be a lot worse than two guys that are going to get paid to talk about sports all day. So, Valid. Valid. So I wanted to end the show. We're getting at the 40-minute mark. I, I, I swear to you guys at home listening, every single time that we hop on here, Australia and I are like, hey, you know what? Not a lot to talk about today. Going to be a short show. I look down. Nope, it's not a short show. So let's let's quickly dive into your series, your, your breakout player series. Let's shift over to the offensive side of the ball. Let's go wide receiver here. And honestly, I think there's one answer, and it's a it's a cliche answer. It's, it's a predictable answer, but I think it's Michael Hardman. I, I, you you yeah. see him getting moved off of special teams to enhance his role offensively. I think Michael's the answer here. I, I, and you know what? If we can both agree on that, do you want to shift over and say the next biggest breakout star in the wide receiver room? Yeah, I think we have to. But the thing is, McCall Hardman, we all expect to do this. Uh, you know, Simon Watkins in the regular season, I, I again, I think Simon Watkins could go over 1,000 yards, but would that really surprise anyone? You know, if Simon Watkins had, you know, eight touchdowns, 1,000 yards received, that's not really a breakout for him. If McCall Hardman does that, you're like, wow, that's a breakout season. So I think we agree with McCall Hardman. Next guy, that's really tough. I don't think it's going to be Demarcus Robinson. I know a lot of people may think that. Byron Pringle, to be honest, I I don't think it's going to be him. So when you go down the list, either either Maurice French, which we've been hearing a decent amount about, but it could be Dieter. We've seen Garrett Dieter get a lot of work in with Patrick Mahomes. We know they're very good friends. If Dieter can make some noise on special teams to keep him on the team and, God forbid, an injury happens and Dieter gets thrust into a game, maybe that connection could pay off and we could see Dieter almost in that Edelman role to, the, to where you know Brady just trusts Edelman. Well, maybe Mahomes just trusts Garrett Dieter. I think that you're I, – I, as crazy as it sounds, I'm, I'm riding the, the Dieter train. I think him and Ricky Seals-Jones – those are going to be my guys. Let's ride to another Super Bowl. Man, you're just copying me. You, you didn't have any other one? You want to go with Maurice French? Didn't no. go with... Uh, now, Pringle... Co- hey, Collider every year. Lipscomb. I'll tell you this. If you guys get to go to training camp, being the media, Pringle's going to be back on. He, he, every year. It's like clockwork that we go through the same cycle of Byron Pringle being a breakout star, and then nothing really happens. But... If I had to go away from Dieter, I would say Pringle. That, that would be those are my two guys that are past Michael Hardman because we know what we know what Hill's going to do. We know what Watkins is going to do. I don't even care what Watkins does. Run through sixteen. I care about him in the postseason where he thrives. So 
you know, after Michael Hardman, I'm going to go Dieter, then I'm going to go Pringle if you're just going to make me not go your way. Now, I will say this. Ricky Seals-Jones has been my guy, so. Just tied in. Come on I, now, I know, pal. We, pass catcher. We're not hey, doing tied live in, in the, yet. Live in the mod, modern era. All right, pass catchers. To, to, to be fair, the guy I wanted to choose got released or didn't get uh, picked back up. Marcus Kemp. I was huge Marcus Kemp guy. He, he was a stud on special teams. He looked like he was um, improving and turning a corner last year before the injury. He's a great dude. I had a chance to play basketball with him a couple times up at Lifetime. I, I really thought Marcus Kemp was going to be uh, a breakout guy, K- kind of in the mold of a Demarcus Robinson or Chris Conley, if that makes sense. But injuries, I think just that last one just derailed him. And with all the talent that Kansas City has, he was the odd man out. Do you ever miss Chris Conley? Sometimes I think back and I'm just like, wow, you know, Chris Conley would be a nice addition to this team. But that's me being greedy no. and selfish. No, let me, let me, let me be honest. I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you don't ever just randomly think about Chris Conley? I guess, I guess that's just me then. Uh, no, I, I think we're fine with Tyreek, D-Rob, Sammy, and uh, McColl. Again, D-Rob is going to be the next Chris Conley, where it's like, yeah, he was nice. He was a good blocker. He was a, a solid football player. I don't know if I'll, I'll look back and say, you know what, who this team really needs? Demarcus Robinson. This is a heck of a topic to, to sneak in here at the end, and we'll, we'll talk about this more next week as well. Has the Super Bowl changed you at all? Like, are you just as amped and hungry as you were last year? Or has the Super Bowl said, you know what, I'm just, I'm, I am feeling good. I don't care what happens this year. The Chiefs are still Super Bowl contenders. They just won me a Super Bowl. They can go 0-16, not really, but they, they, they can do whatever they want to this year, and I'll be excited and I'll be happy. Has it changed you at all, or do you still, right now, around June, are you still getting amped up and you're, and you're just ready for, for football to be back? Besides flipping off every single Boston fan I see, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I, like, I, I'm very excited, but I think this is a little different than the Royals in a way that this Chiefs team, I think, is really built – because there's no salary cap. Baseball, you knew eventually that that team had to get blown up. Football, it's, it's not to the same extent. And I, I really think this is the best time for Kansas City to have dominance in the NFL. And if this was their only championship or you know Super Bowl, I'd be like, that's great. That's exciting. I'll always look back fondly on it. But I think you would almost look back more as a what could have been than anything. Uh, you know, I, I think this is the exact time where Kansas City needs to put the foot on the gas and just can continually to go forward. Again, this year is different because this year the virus, if for some, some reason some, something crazy happened, I would understand. But once things get back to normal, I fully expect Kansas City to keep going forward with the 12-4s, and fours, the 13-3 and three regular seasons, and then a deep playoff run. Yeah, I think that you hit it on the head in saying that because this is not like most championship teams where they have a, a Super Bowl hangover and that really is just a result of the team being worse. So it's not really a result of them still celebrating a championship, as silly as that sounds. It's just the team regressing. This team is not regressing. They're just getting started, as crazy as that is. As good as they've been the last two years, they're not even at the tip of the iceberg yet. They're not even at the, the apex of this thing yet. And I think that that changes the fans as well because with the Royals... That, that You looked at that team and said, how did they win? They should have lost every playoff series they played in 2014 and 15, but yet they won the World Series. And, of course, they swept their way in 2014, but they should have lost the wild card game. And then in 2015, they should have lost to the Astros and the Blue Jays, and they should have lost game one and five to the Mets. So that series is totally different. You, you looked at that team and said, how? With the Chiefs, you know that this team is good. You can point to how they're successful. You can tangibly say they have superstars, and that's why they're winning. And the Royals were just a collective group of guys. They were just guys that came together, formed a bond, and it's unexplainable how they just went on this huge run. And you couldn't afford to pay them. With the Chiefs, not only can I, you afford to pay them, but you have stars. And, and stars that are not aging, stars that are really coming into their own. Mahomes has not finished short of an AFC title game. Like, that is insane as a starter. Yeah, and the thing I was going to say is the difference is small market Royals, they couldn't pay those guys like Hosmer, Moustakis, Lorenzo Cain. The the Chiefs are in an even playing field with every team in the NFL when it comes to paying players. Royals were not. Thing is, Royals got lucky. Hosmer fell off a cliff. 
Lorenzo Cain was not the same guy. Alcides Escobar out of the or out of uh, Major League Baseball in a couple seasons. Um, you know, Zobrist, same way. Cueto's been hurt the entire. When you look at the, 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 the players from that Royals, you know, Wade Davis got absolutely shelled the past two seasons. You know, you look at that Royals team and you're like, how the heck did they do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're not going to do that with this Chiefs team. I think that that changes it a bit. I mean, I think even as diehard as Philly is and how crazy Philadelphia fans are, when they won the Super Bowl the immediate year following, they were still your diehard fans. But for some, for some tangent of the population, you can speak to this more than I can, um, there was some people just really living up that Super Bowl. And I think that it changes a little bit because this was supposed to happen, and the Chiefs are supposed to win next year, and they're supposed to win the year after that. This is supposed to become a dynasty. Yeah, and you're right, because Nick Foles was not supposed to come in and lead the Eagles to a Super Bowl. Nick Foles was not supposed to play Tom Brady on the biggest stage. So in that aspect, yeah, the the Eagles fans were kind of just like – they lived it up. They, they go, this, this was the chance. This, this was the one we got. Yes, we have a good team, and we expect to be you know, in the playoffs. You don't expect a backup quarterback to beat Tom Brady on the biggest stage. I'm going to throw a grenade right here at the end of the show, and, and you, can either, you can either save it for next show, or you can pick it up right now, and let's just throw it back and forth here. Lamar Jackson hates Patrick Mahomes, and Mahomes is going to ruin you know, the, the reputation of Lamar Jackson. Wait, what? Okay, here we go. So I'm I'm, know, I'm befuddled over here. So Lamar is on the cover of Madden, and you know he's had a good career. He's had a good start to his career. I think that what we as the media are going to do to Lamar Jackson is going to be absolutely and totally unfair to him, and it's going to cause some resentment, whether he admits it or not. Because the Ravens have gone all in on this defense this year. On paper, they have an awesome team. They have an awesome head coach. If they fall short, in the postseason again, and Mahomes yet again reaches the championship game, reaches the Super Bowl game, then you're going to start judging Lamar Jackson unfairly because, yeah, you're young, but so is Mahomes. And I think that people are going to unfairly turn on Lamar Jackson. I I think that the success of Mahomes so quickly, we mentioned that he has not, as a starter, finished any short of the overtime of the AFC championship game. And Lamar Jackson, meanwhile, has not had postseason success. If that trend continues this year, I think that you're going to start comparing the two, and it's going to be unfair because Lamar is so young and he's so raw of a talent that it's going to just be totally unfair to him. And But since they've been on the same plane of success right away, that it's just going to happen. It's just going to inevitably, inevitably happen on these irresponsible debate shows like First Take and like all these other shows like that. <laughs> so it's going to create such buzz around this thing. And they're two separate entities. Nobody is ever going to be Mahomes. He is the best quarterback of all time. But you're going to do this to Lamar Jackson, and it's going to create a rivalry, and it's going to create resentment because no one is going to be able to live up to Patrick Mahomes. I even worse, you're playing in the AFC. Even worse... You're playing in the FC. You've got to get through Mahomes. And are we sure that Lamar Jackson can do that? I'm not so sure. I can see that in a way, but at the same time, Mahomes seems like too great of a guy. Uh, Lamar Jackson seems like an outstanding guy as well. I I don't see that. I can see a rivalry on the field getting extremely intense, Mm -hmm. but off the field, on Twitter, you know, in media – I don't see Lamar Jackson ever taking a shot at Mahomes, and I don't see Mahomes ever taking a shot at literally anyone else. Yeah, I should clarify that. I meant privately, just like internally. Like, you look at somebody and go, man, like, it's so unfair to compare me to this guy. Like, of course I'm not Mahomes. He wouldn't, I don't think he'd ever do anything terrible, like, like you're saying, to take a shot at Mahomes, or even subliminally, I don't know how to say that word, but even doing that to Mahomes, I don't think he's going to do anything like that. But I think that he can. He can just start being like, wow, you guys are really treating me unfairly because of Mahomes. And if Mahomes wasn't having the success, I wouldn't be held to the standard already at age whatever. In year three, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be put up on this pedestal. But since he's had the success, since he's had the MVP and the Madden cover already, the next step is winning. And the Ravens have done everything right. Unlike the Texans, the Ravens have put together a team that you look at and say should win. The problem is it's still not the Chiefs. No, that's very fair. The Ravens are in a very good position. 
they've done everything right. They've done the opposite of the Houston Texans. But you can kind of say a little similar thing about Seattle in a way with Russell Wilson. You know, they've had some good teams. And as great as Russell Wilson's been, I think Russell Wilson's the second-best quarterback in the NFL. You know, it's a what have you done for me lately. And I don't know what you think there, but they haven't done a ton lately. Yeah, that's interesting. I I think that you're right on that. And I think that what's really hurting Lamar is not only the same conference, but the same age gap. Like, they're so close together. They've really experienced the same thing. And one one person is having all the success in the postseason. The other person, if he goes out there this postseason and he just has another dud, and let's say that he loses in the first round, goodness gracious, like, that's not going to be good for him. And especially if Mahomes continues to thrive. And I think that we can hold him to too high of a standard because he's in the AFC. Yeah, no, that, that's completely fair. I, I'm big on Lamar Jackson. I still want to see him do it another season. While as good as he was last year as a passer and a runner, both, he was a great passer last year. I just, he's just not elite in that aspect yet. He's not, he's not going to be an elite passer yet, and who knows if he ever will be. He's not in the same plane as you know, Mahomes, Breeze, Watson, uh, or Wilson, or Rodgers. But if he can get there, then I think Lamar Jackson can. But that, that's the next step in, in Lamar Jackson's career arc is can he become an elite pocket passer? Yeah, the steps. That, that's a good way to put it. He, you're, we're not, not going to let him in the media progress his career. We're not going to let him take the steps. It's unfair to judge him or any quarterback with Mahomes. Mahomes jumped in a spaceship and skyrocketed to the top. He, he didn't climb a ladder. He sat one year and then became an AFC Championship quarterback and then became a Super Bowl quarterback. Th- that's not that's not realistic. Mahomes won the AFC Championship, had D. Ford not jumped off sides. He won the Super Bowl the next year. I mean, that is so unfair. He didn't have to progress, and we've, we've got to let Lamar Jackson progress, and I fear that we won't. I fear that the conversation will be, if, if Lamar finishes anything short of an AFC title game, that the, that the conversation will be, He's not good enough. He's not this or that just because of Mahomes. And I think that, you know, internally, of course, not not in the public eye. He will not do anything publicly. But I think internally it could create some like, you know what, screw this. Like, of course I'm not Mahomes. But, you know, that's just, again, an unfair barrier to put on somebody. And I hope that doesn't happen. But just knowing how the media works, I think that that's going to be the biggest topic if he goes out in the postseason and he has another letdown there. Yeah, no, I could see it. But, you know, you mentioned wanting to see it again. I feel comfortable with him as a, as a regular season quarterback. Something changes in the postseason. I just want to see him in the postseason again. I want to see what he looks like because this, this Ravens team, that defense wins in the postseason. I mean, that defense on paper and if they're healthy, that wins come postseason time. So the onus will be totally on Lamar Jackson, but he's so young that we have to agree to let him struggle and if he does surprise us and he does take off this season and this postseason he has a phenomenal year, that's fine too. But we have to let him thrive and we have to let him win. I mean, because at the end of the day, it's going to take him some time to, to mature and to become what Mahomes has become. No one else can be Mahomes. And I think that given the age, given the conference, given um, the, you know, c- kind of getting the same awards back to back, MVP, MVP, Madden cover, Madden cover, and, you know, getting that popularity at the same time, I think that we're going to just automatically compare them, but I don't think it's a fair comparison yet. Now, in a couple of years, whenever Lamar Jackson is fully developed into the player he is going to be, maybe then you can compare them. But as of right now, I think it's still too early to start putting Lamar Jackson on that pedestal. Yeah, 100% agreed. All right, Sterling, this was fun. It was a longer episode than anyone expected, but that's what you get every time you tune in to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Do you have any final words, any parting shots before we return to the show next week? Uh, Stay safe. Eat your fruits and vegetables. Read some books. And let's hopefully the NFL season gets underway. I'm hoping so, too. And it was a somber beginning at the start of the show, but just to reset everything, I'm still confident that... NFL is going to get played. If you're, an, if you're a college fan, I'm not so confident about that right now. Just working within the NCAA, hearing what I'm hearing, I'm not so confident yet. Uh, but I'm very confident that the NFL eventually gets started. The question is, how are they going to do it? Uh, but Sterling, this was awesome. This was fun. I cannot wait to do it again next week. Thank you. Be good and be good to one another. 
We'll see you next time on the Arrowhead Attic Podcast, a part of the Fanside Podcasting Network on arrowheadattic.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.